Hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this fine Saturday? Meant to get this to you yesterday. I was going to do Twitter Thursday on Friday, so now I'm doing Twitter Thursday on Saturday. But it's really just like three or four Twitter questions because I wanted to talk about the Jameis Winston suspension. And I'm sure the Locked On Bucks people are talking about talking that up as well. Check that out over there. But let's dig into this a little bit. I mean, if you haven't heard, you live under a rock. It, 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 it's not official, and he very well could appeal, and maybe it changes. But as of right now, because of an, inc- an alleged incident with an Uber driver, Jameis Winston is expected to get suspended for the first three games of the year. I am operating under the assumption that Fitzpatrick would take over, but that's not a done deal, and there's a lot of time between now and then. A couple things, a lot of things, really, is it seems like the general populace out there isn't in love with Winston or not buying into him. And I do know that he's had some incidents as well, you know, going back to college and coming out, you know, there was some talk that there were some concerns about, you know, character issue off the field things. Um, And this doesn't help his cause. He's going into an option year in his contract and then he's a free agent. I mean, are, does Tampa want to invest in this young man? He is inconsistent on the field. But I like him as a quarterback. You know, uh, he also eats W's and does weird things like that. But I do think there's some extreme competitiveness to him. And if you remember, he was a closer on the Florida State baseball team. Like, I think he has that mentality when the game's on the line in the ninth inning, he wants the ball in his hands. And I think it's a very good trait. I also think that he's always going to be a risk taker and never going to value the football. But I think he's going to make more and more, quote, big time throws. And I think he's leaned down. I think he's very dedicated to being a great quarterback, whether he does dumb things or immature things or, you know, um, criminal things off the field I can't comment on, but I do think he's getting better as a player. And I've said this many times since the end of the season. I think he came back from injury last year and ended the season extremely strong. So I was, I am really excited for Winston going into this year with an improved offense. You know, Godwin a little further along, O.J. Howard a little further along. Um, improved offensive line, signing Jensen, you know, picking up Ronald Jones. I really like Ronald Jones. We'll get to him in a minute. So, okay, let's operate under the assumption that it's Fitzpatrick, but what is Fitzpatrick? Fitzpatrick, because he went to an Ivy League school, everyone thinks he's so smart. He's a cerebral quarterback. He's a game manager. No, he isn't. That's not how he plays at all. He, like Winston to some degree, but with a fraction of the tools, does not value the football, does not play close to the vest, you know, puts himself in harm's way a lot, and sometimes he gets hot and has some streaks. But you look around the NFL, you could do worse as a backup quarterback than Fitzpatrick. He's at least played and started games and understands the league, and they know that this is going in so they can prepare him properly. Again, it's not a done deal that he would get the job, but I think he will. Um, it's the logical progression, although the youngster is somebody that they do like. Um, so, but to win without Winston, and we'll get to who they're playing in the schedule and stuff here in a minute, which isn't pretty. 
I really think you'd have to look at it as either Fitzpatrick gets hot and makes some throws and puts together a three-game streak or a two-game streak where he's playing at a high level, which anyone can do, and he has done that in his career. But I think more likely is run the ball with Ronald Jones, better O-line. And while I think Jones is going to be a very good player and a highly productive rookie, is he ready to be the foundation of an offense with a backup quarterback in his first three games in the NFL? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, hey, Rook, you know, we're going to lean on you and we're going to play good defense with a better defense, good front seven, questionable secondary, and we're going to try to gut out games and Fitzpatrick's going to have to make some throws. Okay, I mean, that's probably your best bet, you know, as opposed to just winging it all over the, all over the field and Fitzpatrick throws four picks. So... Not only is Tampa in the very difficult conference, I mean, the much more difficult of the two conferences, but they're in the most difficult division. And I'm a little down on the Panthers, but I'm high on the Falcons and especially the Saints. I probably will, even before this news, still would have picked the Bucks to come in fourth in their division. Maybe not, but, you know, even though I'm excited about them. And honestly, if they were in the AFC... I think I would pick them to go to the wild card, or, or at least end up in the postseason in some way, shape, or form. There's that big a discrepancy of where they sit in the world as opposed to some of the AFC situations. Not only that, you know, I always talk about Warren Sharp, and by the way, he's got a, a book coming out soon. I urge you to check that out. But his strength of st- schedule metric has the Bucks with the second hardest schedule in the entire league. So... Even though I'm excited about this roster and I was excited about Winston and Jones and this, all these defensive linemen they've added and improving the O-line, some youngsters stepping up like Godwin and OJ, Spence, it was going to be a really an uphill climb anyway. And they got a coach on the hot seat, <laughs> you know, so I hope ownership realizes that Cutter really is behind the eight ball even before this and now even more so, but that's not how the NFL works, you know, basically is... Who cares? <laughs> yeah, they're probably just get rid of them if they have a bad year. So you probably know this by now, and I mentioned they have an awful schedule. The three games that Winston's likely to miss, they open the season in New Orleans. Ooh, opening day in that place is going to be crazy. I think the Saints might be the best team in the league. Then they have two home games, but it's against the Eagles and Steelers. Ooh. I mean, that is an opening three games, you know, drawn up by Satan himself. I mean, that's as bad as it gets. So, you know, even, you know, think about it from when Breeze, Wentz, assuming Wentz is there by week two, Big Ben, and those passing attacks have the ball. The Bucks were the worst pass defense in the league last year. And again, I think that their secondary might be a little better and their pass rush will be immensely better. But the Steelers, Eagles, and Saints offensive lines are amongst the top five in the league. Are they going to get to those quarterbacks that are great at what they do? I don't think. You know, like I think that pass defense might get killed in those three games and Fitzpatrick and the offense is going to have to keep up. You know, that's, that's you know, I'd, I'd feel a lot better if it was Jameis and maybe Jameis could pull one out and... Maybe Fitzpatrick will too. I mean, I don't, I don't have a crystal ball, but um, that's tough. That's real tough. If they could win one of those three, they should do cartwheels. But even if they go 0-3, and, and I did tell you that, you know, 
they have an awful schedule, and they do. But however, if Winston returns in week four, and I should note, though, when he's suspended, he can't be around the team. So how football ready is he going to be? You know, I mean, he's going to be detached. But week four, they go to Chicago. Then they have their bye. So it's an early bye, which maybe in this case is good for Winston. And so, you know, are, are you one and three going into your bye? Maybe two and two, you know, I mean, could be 0-4. I mean, there's not a guarantee that they walk into Chicago and beat the Bears before, but that's not an awful game. But then they have two weeks in to prepare for the Falcons. Obviously a really tough game, but a team they're familiar with, and two weeks of prepare is nice. Then they play the Browns and Bengals. So their first seven games, the first three games are a nightmare. But their first seven isn't that bad. I mean, I could paint the picture where they're three and four, four and three, and you're still in the hunt then, you know? I mean, it's a talented team. So what I'm saying is this is big, it's bad. This team already had an uphill climb to have a successful season. But if you look at it over that seven-game stretch that I mentioned, and I will say it gets really difficult after that. <laughs> you know, I mean, like I said, it's a hard, second-hardest schedule in the league. But if you're four and three, three and four, right in that neighborhood, which I honestly think they probably will be, and a lot's going to change again on a crystal ball, but that's not so bad. And the you know the reality of it is, even if Winston were playing and playing well. Don't you think the Bucks would have been underdogs in New Orleans for sure? Super Bowl champs coming to town the next week, and then the Steelers? I mean, so they probably would be 0-3 no matter what. Probably. I mean, they play the games for a reason, but, you know, those are, they probably would have been 0-3 with or without the guy. All right, I promised you guys some Twitter questions too, and I got a few here. Uh, Brian Sobel asked me, it doesn't seem like Cowboys have a receiver that can, quote, get open. Do you agree? If so, this, if so, will this not make a long season for Dak and Zeke? Yeah. I mean, passing games rule the world in the NFL. And while they might have the best ground attack in the league, every defense coordinator is going to stack the box. And that's a great looking line. I really like Connor Williams. But no Witten, you know, and no Dez. And you could argue to a degree, they didn't have anybody could get open last year. <laughs> I mean, really, they didn't. So Hearns and Gallup, maybe it's actually a little better. I don't know. I mean, I, I, no, no. They saved the worst group of pass catchers in the league. And Buffalo's in the conversation, too. What I feel for is to some degree Zeke because he's going to have a million people near the line of scrimmage. But also Dak. I think I've told you this before, but Dak's rookie year, he burst on the scene, he was rookie of the year, you know. I thought he was really, really impressive, but I thought he was also a little bit overrated, as many did. They said, you know, boy, he's got an, quote, easy life here. A lot of play action, a great running game, an awesome line at that point. Dez was better back then. Witten was better back then. But last year, I thought he became underrated because I thought it, the there was much more put on him. Zeke was not the same or suspended. The line was not the same and injured. We mentioned the receivers were terrible. 
And I thought Dak took a big step forward that wasn't noticed by the general public as an overall quarterback. Now, asking him to take another step forward and put up a ton of points without many guys to throw to, I think is asking a lot. And the defense isn't Jacksonville's or Minnesota's, you know, I mean... Uh, I, I think it is going to be a long year for Dallas. And I think when the season ends and free agency rolls around, they're going to go after a Sammy Watkins, Allen Robinson type free agent. And apparently they did try to get to land Watkins and didn't. or And or their first round pick is going to be a wide receiver. So I, I haven't done predictions, but I have a hunch that they're probably that they're going to be fourth in that division for me. I mean, I, I know I'm going to take the Eagles to win the division. I think I'll take Washington to be second. So we'll see. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be – every yard's going to be earned. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, Jerry Simjati asks, if you had not – I'm not sure if you've done any analysis on the Green Bay backfield. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I am an Aaron Jones lover. I think he has greatness. I think he was clearly the best runner of the football and had some special traits, and his numbers were really, really good on a per-carry basis. Great efficiency. I think he's a very... I think he's the best player of the three by far. But is he an NFL workhorse? And... I. I'm not down on Jamal Williams. And you can see why coaches like him, because he's a solid receiver. He does everything well. He's good in protection. He gets what's blocked and more. And we need to realize, too, that the running game with Rodgers in there, as opposed to Hundley, is night and day. You know, if you're a defense, it's night and day. And the offensive line wasn't as spectacular last year. I think it'll be better this year. So I do think the running game will be quite good. And it probably will be some sort of a committee. But, like, for fantasy reasons, I grab Aaron Jones all the time. I mean, I, that he's the guy I want. He's the guy I'm investing in in the long term that I think I very confidently that he's going to be the best player of this group. But Williams is kind of hard to get off the field for all those reasons I mentioned. As for Montgomery, I've heard rumblings but I still don't understand why he's not a full-time receiver right now. You know, like, Cobb's your slot. Adams is your one. You drafted some long, downfield threat, tall guys that fell in the draft. And by the way, a lot of that style of receiver fell in the draft this year. You know, the not real quick, you know, the long, long-limbed guys can get muscled around. Why not make Montgomery your number two, you know? Uh, wouldn't he be a starting receiver as opposed to being a third running back? I, don't know, I would make that switch full-time, and I'm shocked it hasn't happened. So, there you have it. Um, hmm, there was another good one here, and I just went over where are we at here. Um, uh, Brian Sobel asked me, how do you evaluate offensive linemen? You and Ross Tucker are the only ones that seem to know what you're talking about. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, Ross was an offensive lineman, and he's a very smart dude. Um, I don't know we're the only two that know what they're talking about. I, I mean, Lance Erline, to me, is one of the best offensive line uh, analysts out there. NFL.com, friend of mine, does similar to what we do, but more draft stuff. 
And his dad, Larry Zerline, was a long-term offensive line coach who I knew a little bit when I was at Pitt and he was next door at the Steelers, as well as he was our offensive line coach with the Browns. So there's a lot of dudes out there that, that know what they're talking about with offensive line. One thing I will tell you, though, that I very much believe to be true about that position. First of all, you can't be a dumb offensive lineman. You know, you got to know who to block, how long to do it and pass them off to the next guy at time, pick up stunts and twists, and you got to think quickly, too. Like, not only is, it a, is he smart, is he dumb type of thing, things happen very fast. You know, this corner screaming off the edge or this X blitz, you know, stunts and things that are coming at you. So, But one thing that Phil Savage taught me that I'll never forget with the Browns that he brought over from the Ravens, which is a very staple Ozzie Newsome way of looking at offensive linemen, which, you know, is obviously there's a massive shortage of these guys in the league right now. If you're the baseline athlete for that position, like, it can't be me or you. I'm like, you got to have, you know, the requisite size, the requisite athleticism. You don't have to be Orlando Pace. You don't have to be Jonathan Ogden. But if you have the baseline, the bottom line, you know, average of, of those traits, the things that people, everyone looks for. They watch these offensive linemen at the combine. Wow, he's a great athlete. Then offensive linemen coaches go, ooh, let me get my hands on him. I'll turn him into a great player. And that rarely works. I mean, that's Greg Robinson and guys like that. And yeah, they have all the tools in the world. I'm not saying he's smart or dumb, but the two things that, that the Ravens and Phil and it's trickled to me, and I've told you this, I'm sure, before, but if you're smart and you're tough, and I've noticed those things often go hand in hand, too, that the smart guys know when to tough things out and when to play hurt, you know, and when to, you know, how much work to put in and how much to battle and how gritty you need to be. And I don't remember when Ross played, but my hunch is he was smart and tough. That if you're smart and you're tough and you have the baseline abilities, you know, size, speed, athleticism, change direction, bend, you know, ankle flexion, knee bend, that you're really hard to get off the field and generally, unless injuries come along, end up a multimillionaire and play 8, 10, 12 years. Because those guys can also play multiple positions. You know, if you're the sixth lineman and you're smart and tough and somebody gets hurt and you get them in the lineup, you know, I mean, that is huge for me. And I think that gets overlooked at times in, in scouting, especially with first round guys. And you see these tackle bodies that were tight ends and boy, they're really athletic and I'm going to keep bulking them up and boy, he can bend and run, but he ain't all that tough. Good luck, man. I mean, never can I remember a discrepancy being so great just physically, and also you know, in terms of how good of players they are, but the athletes and physical specimens that are rushing the pass, you know, defensive linemen of all shapes and sizes, I guess from Vaughn Miller on up to Snacks Harrison and the, the, that 100-pound gap between them. But defensive linemen, guys that line up on the line of scrimmage, the discrepancy between the athletes and physical specimen is so much in favor of the defensive lineman now than the offensive lineman. And just watch a combine, you know, and look at all the defensive linemen there, 310 and run and jump and athletes and strong and, you know, nasty, you know, that 
you got to make up for it with smarts and toughs. So I think that's a good good place to start and a good place to stop. See you later. That's a wrap.